91. The investment manager seeking opportunities in change. The world is constantly shaped by change and change brings opportunities, but opportunities are not always obvious. 91 was born in times of change and has seen past its distractions to seek real investment opportunities to help clients reach long-term investment goals. 91. Investing for a world of change. Find out more at 91.com. Capital at risk. 91 is authorised and regulated by the Financial Conduct Authority. Hello and welcome to the latest episode of Future Thinking. As always, I'm Chris Slowly, the editor of City Our Selector. One thing that is genuinely going to shape the future are the forthcoming generations. So what role does demographics play in the investment world that lies ahead? That's what we're discussing with this week's guest. Hank Grootfeld works for Nomad ODA Investment Managers, having joined at the start of 2020 as part of a strategic push into thematics by the Swiss group. He now co-runs the group's Golden Age Fund and is well-placed to discuss what impact changes in buying power will have for asset allocators. Also in this discussion, we touch upon the attractiveness of fund management as a whole for younger generations and what firms could do to encourage the next wave of investors. Any and all feedback is welcome, so please do get in touch and I hope you enjoy this week's episode. Hank, thank you for joining me. How are you doing? Yeah, doing all right, actually. What about yourself? Yeah, I'm not too bad, not too bad. So, I mean, we are in this series, we've covered a whole array of things. I've, I've done a couple recently we've talked about food we've talked about neuroscience at some points i've talked about the future of europe and i guess one thing that's hugely important for the future if we are covering this future thinking plan is what shape demographics will play and i know that's something you are covering extensively at lombardia and used to cover at rabica as well so i've been looking at some of the material you've sent through and a point that came out demographics are not created equal we've seen that for example japan has a very top heavy society they're going to end up with a lot more people in retirement at one stage than other parts of the world. How much of bearing this have on, on how you invest and asset allocation calls around demographics if there is this imbalance? Well, I have to slightly uh, uh, change your opinion about it, if I may, because uh, Japan is only an early example of what's going to happen to the rest of the Northern Hemisphere. So I would say uh, Japan entered a shrinking workforce in uh, between 2005, 2010. Here in Europe, we're entering it right now, or 2020 was the start of more or less. US will be 2025, and Japan is in between the US and Europe. So Japan is only the example of uh, a demographical uh, buildup of a society, of how we would look. Uh, I agree with you, it's totally different on the Southern Hemisphere. So if you look at Africa or even uh, India as well, which is still non-hemisphere though. Uh, it's it's different, but uh, yeah, the major economies of this world are all going through this aging uh, cycle or more or less all at once. Uh, how do you uh, invest to that? Well, I think there's a, a lot of big consequences uh, which will come along with aging because in the last 40, 50 years, we've seen um, a huge growth in uh, available labor in our economy. And uh, your GDP grows normally uh, with uh, through labor growth and through productivity growth. And if the labor growth, which has been in our according to our calculation, roughly 10% per year in the last say 20, 40 years, is it going to go to four to five percent decline on an annual basis from now onwards? Uh, yeah, we'll have some uh, headwind instead of tailwinds in our economy. And I think that will have consequences for a lot of things uh, on the investment side. Oh, um, absolutely. I was going to come in on that investment side of things because I mean you you got a golden age fund, we've seen silver age funds, we've seen other funds that are trying to tap into the aging of society and also more millennial funds coming out as well. How much of an investable theme is this as sort of a pure play on those ideas? 
Uh, I think uh, both are quite investable, both millennials as well as, as aging. I focus on the aging side. I think um, due to our aging society, there will be a lot of things that need to be tackled by governments, uh, cities, etc. cetera. Uh, one of the things is I think we need to uh, rethink the way we finance our pensions. So the current pay-as-you-go system probably have to go to pay for your own, uh, pay for your own save for your own pension. And we see a lot of uh, good examples of that, for instance, uh, in Australia, where a superannuation program was started at the end of last century. Um, that's the one thing. And the second major thing, we need to do something about the, the healthcare expenses, which have been growing, uh, yeah, outgrowing our GDP since the 70s. Some countries are almost approaching 20% of their GDP spent on healthcare alone. And it's before the big wall of, of uh, all elderly people uh, needs more care and uh, um, the, the cost will rise even further. So we need to do something about it. And we think digitalization is a key towards that. And the last major thing where you can invest in on the aging side is what the United Nations has officially called uh, the decade of healthy aging. They recently declared this decade, the 20s, as the decade of healthy aging. So anything that you can invest in that can keep these people up and running and active as possible and hopefully continue to, to work because we definitely need to work. So those are also quite uh, interesting uh, prospects uh, to invest in. You, you talk about health there because, I mean, I put this and it wasn't meant to be provocative, but in the questions we discussed beforehand, we have heard some people say that a lot of aging investment ideas tend to or, or can be categorized as sort of proxy plays on healthcare with a bit of tourism. How diversified is this as an investment idea? And do you think that will change in the future? Uh, if you look at our fund as an example, uh, we are roughly a third, a third, a third in uh, consumer stocks, uh, financial stocks, and then mostly uh, pension platforms and stuff like that, and in healthcare stocks. And in those healthcare stocks, it's not mostly the, the big pharmas or, or the biotechs, it's mostly in, in hearing aids or in uh, home care, uh, nursing care, uh, elderly care, palliative care, stuff like that. So yeah, it's more diversified than what you're suggesting, I would say. No, I think that's fair. I, I do appreciate it. It was a slightly narrow question. It wasn't meant to be uh, to prompt an angry response. It was supposed to try and. Oh, no, 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 don't worry, don't worry. Um, yeah. In terms of um, in terms of demographics as a whole, though, because I mean, I'm guilty of this of falling in sort of the biron, binary idea of you talk. We talk about well, I suppose not binary, but we talk about baby boomers, Gen X, and millennials. How much should you already be looking at Gen Zs? How much is that going to be an impact on the way that demographics are shaped and also the way that capital is deployed? Uh, well, the Gen Z is the biggest category of people, uh, bigger than the current uh, baby boomers, uh, or not the current, the baby boomer generation. Uh, so that's that's good thing. Uh, negative thing is, or perhaps negative, uh, they're not in the same countries. Oh, right. um, so where most are the, the Gen, where they mainly um, most of the Gen where Zs are, are actually in Africa, India. So that's that's tr uh, truly, uh, yeah, not in the countries where aging is now currently uh, reshaping the society and the economy. So that's a bit of a could be a bit of a conflict unless we are able to outsource to those countries or invite them as, as, as immigrants. Because I think going forward, aging will lead not only to a shrinking workforce in countries, but also will lead to more demand for work, especially on the care side, on healthcare or on nursing or on anything uh, that has to do with care, which so far uh, has not been automated or robotized yet. So I would say, uh, yeah, in, in a time where <laughs> workforce is shrinking, we need more uh, hands at the bed. That's a problem. So I think... Perhaps we could uh, definitely use some of the solutions uh, offered uh, by the Gen Zs in that sense. Well, we had a, one of the discussions I did on the, the last series. We talked about millennials or Generation Y and the, and the fact that they do, the way they enter the workforce has changed. And this is slightly 
building on your previous point and moving it in a slightly different direction, I appreciate. But they have a lot more jobs and a lot more different jobs. They tend to have, I think the stat, I may get this wrong, six to eight employers over their life, whereas Gen X and perhaps Baby Boomers had one to two. And Gen Zs are projected to have even more. Do you see people wanting to go into those care jobs? That would be the first question. And will they just have to out of necessity because there won't be other jobs? I would say millennials are known indeed for, for more job hopping. Uh, and also because the millennials is known as the me, me, me generation, right? So yeah. they think of about themselves and how they can whatever evolve in life and learn new things. After three years in the job, they take a half year off, go to see Australia, come back and, and start with another career. So it's also the, the, the mindset of the generation. I would say Gen Z is more the we generation. Um, it's more the generation that feels the pressure on their shoulders that we need to solve the problems that uh, the baby boomers and, and our parents, Gen X, has caused. So perhaps they will not be as job hopping as the millennials. I'm not sure if that uh, will be the case. Uh, however, I also think that the, the, the classical idea of uh, education until you're whatever, 22, 23, and then uh, find one job and, and spend there until you're 65, retire, and then uh, uh, live happily after after, that's going to change. I think, first of all, the 65 will go to well, 70, 75, because our age will go much, much, much higher. Um, if you look at my kids who are teenagers, I think their life expectancy is, is 100 or above. Yeah. So retiring at 65 uh, becomes unaffordable uh, either for society or for your own saving account. Uh, so we had they have to need to continue to work much longer. And that also means that, yeah, you need to put some breaks into your career to re-educate yourself. So I can imagine we go to something like uh, three different, totally different careers uh, with breaks in between where you go back into school, re-educate yourself um, uh, instead of this, yeah, three stages uh, of a career, uh, uh, school, career, uh, retirement. I think it will be multiple stages um, well, and perhaps Gen Z will be the first one doing so. I remember there was a, a, a genealogist called Aubrey Graham, I think it was, who said that, that there's probably the first person to live to 150 was born in the millennial generation. And my boss, when I said that to him, made the point that so if you retire at 65, you would spend the next 85 years having to draw down on a pension that you made from 30 years of working, which seems absolutely mad. So I think, yeah, I mean, reading your white paper about pension reform that's potentially needed and the opportunities in there, if people are living longer, that creates more challenges as well, surely. That's interesting. The, the, the 65 as retirement age was actually invented by the Germans uh, okay. to, get, to, get, to get people uh, into, uh, into the army to win the World War One. So it's actually uh, wow. was born in and it 19, stayed that 19, long. Yeah, stayed, <laughs> invented in 1914. And the idea at that time was uh, life expectancy was 51, 52 years or something like that. Uh, as a soldier, probably much lower because this was quite a, a nasty war, as you, uh, as you probably recall from your history lessons. Uh, so it was more like a state lottery, right? So, okay, you get into the army and you have this ticket and once in 100, you get a chance of having on earth after after you reach 65. Well, now it's not, it's the reverse, right? So it's only one in 100 that doesn't make it. Uh, so it becomes a totally different um, financial game. And, and definitely we need to change that, increase the retirement age, make it also more flexible, uh, depending on, on the skills you have. I can imagine uh, having a, a tough job uh, for 40 years is hard to, to hold on to, but yeah, uh, there's so many jobs you can do. Uh, think about indeed education or, and you also mentioned, yeah, do you expect uh, Gen Z to want to be uh, all to become in, in care? I think one part of their career could definitely be in care or in health uh, or in a uh, or in, in, uh, in, in hospital settings or in nursing home care, uh, but not all of them. And like I said, I expect multiple careers uh, to be the, the norm going forward. 
What also I expect with this then, it will be aligned to the fact that millennials become more into management positions as well. So the actual expectations of their employees won't be along the same lines of, for example, if you had a baby boomer or a Gen X manager who has been there, well, like you said, one job out of university, they're staying there. They would be more familiar with the people below them also wanting to change jobs. So there could be a, a mindset cultural shift in the way that we work from management down in a way. Well, I also think that I hope actually uh, that there will be less management jobs uh, needed as well. Okay. Uh, so I also think, given that we're going to go to a shortage of personnel um, in most of the uh, areas uh, of employment, management will have a different task, right? So the last 40, 50 years, management were there to uh, keep the bull on control and keep costs low and create a clear army-like uh, structure. I think that's not going to work with both the new generations, millennials and Gen Z entering the workforce. On top of it, uh, there's shortage of personnel. So it's more like, how can you keep those people happy and Especially for Gen Zs, which are less driven by money, but more driven by um, knowledge and and solving problems of this world, it needs to be interesting uh, what they're doing instead of purely rewarding. Are you seeing that within fund management, Hank? Are you seeing that within fund management and younger managers coming in? First, young people still being attracted to the industry, because I remember speaking to a German fund selector who said... They were having a real recruitment problem because most people wanted to go to Berlin and join a startup than do a graduate scheme at a big bank. Are you finding the people? And also, is is the job still exciting and also flexible enough to meet those needs of people who want to do something meaningful and something that has change? I think Sorry, I'm getting lost. you to talk for the whole industry. There's about yeah, eight questions yes. in there. <laughs> yeah, it's interesting. Um, yeah, we, we're no longer the most uh, sexy job out there, I must say. It really changed uh, thanks to 2008, 2009, uh, the great financial crisis. So indeed, having a startup in something uh, as hot as digital um, uh, healthcare or, or e-commerce uh, or stuff like that uh, is, is far more attracting young graduates than uh, uh, fund management is. But I think, especially in the way we trend to invest, which is uh, how does society look like in 10 years? And can you find a company that can benefit from that or has the tools to get into that change? Uh, would still be interested for people with a longer term top down uh, top down vision so no, i'm not that worried that we will uh, have a hard time recruiting people okay well i think it's, it's going to remain a dynamic and interesting industry i think well, i've only got one real one thing to to finish on because the in that white paper that i keep referencing and i'll put a link to that somewhere in in the show notes for this but it said the final line was the baby boom party for our economy is clearly over and we need to prepare ourselves for the unavoidable hangover i thought that was a fantastic way to finish simple question really then how do you prepare adequately i know we've touched upon it quite a lot throughout but is there a concise message as to what people should and shouldn't be doing in this scenario i think as society or as governments you need to really rethink your pension scheme you need to really make healthcare uh, more efficient, uh, cheap, and more accessible to all. And I think digitalization will help that. And thirdly, you very definitely uh, need to prepare a society for healthy aging. So um, do anything possible to keep people as long as possible active in society, active uh, in the workplace. And that's, I think, uh, the three main thing that you need to do. What you need to do right now is exactly what the United Nations says when they declared this decade the decade of healthy aging. Because uh, if you don't do it right now, you end up potentially in both financial and societal problems uh, going forward. No, absolutely. Well, I think that's a, a really good point to finish on. I was going to make a joke of saying we should check in in 100 years to see how some of this stuff is going on. But I think that would be slightly flippant. Um, Hank, thank you very much for taking the time. Thank you for joining me today. My pleasure. Thank you very much and have a lovely afternoon. 
91. The investment manager seeking opportunities in change. The world is constantly shaped by change and change brings opportunities, but opportunities are not always obvious. 91 was born in times of change and has seen past its distractions to seek real investment opportunities to help clients reach long-term investment goals. 91. Investing for a world of change. Find out more at 91.com. Capital at Risk. 91 is authorised and regulated by the Financial Conduct Authority.